Hello and welcome to this GBM Media Podcast. You're about to hear Serving Today, a programme for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in any form of Bible teaching, be that one-to-one or in small or larger groups, Serving Today will be relevant for you. Welcome to Serving Today, the programme for the leaders in the Church of Christ. This is Andrew Cook and I'm glad to have your company once more. The Names of Christ, Derek French brings us another title of the Lord Jesus. And in the Ephesians series, we come to the full armour of God. We begin here on Serving Today with the series on the Names of Christ. This is when we learn about the different titles that are used about Jesus Christ in the Bible. Understanding these better give us a rich appreciation of who Jesus is and what he achieved on behalf of his dearly beloved people. And the title that Derek French is now going to unpack for us is of particular importance for those of us in positions of leadership within the church. The name of Christ we're considering in this programme is one that has many echoes in both the Old and the New Testament. He's described as the chief shepherd. One's mind almost instinctively goes to Psalm 23, which begins with the familiar words, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And similarly to Jesus' own words in John 10 verse 11, where he declared, I am the good shepherd. It is a very precious truth that tells us so much about the Lord's relationship and care for his people, whom he describes as his sheep. His sheep are the objects of his sacrificial love, because it was for them he bled and died as he laid down his life on the cross. The particular title, The Chief Shepherd, which is not dissimilar to the title The Great Shepherd we find in Hebrews 13, 20, continues this same theme, but in a context that is directly related to a particular group of his people. It's related to the ministry and responsibility that elders or pastors are entrusted with. You'll be aware that pastors are also shepherds who are to care for God's flock, his church, over which the Lord has made them overseers. We read that in Acts 20 and verse 28. And because Christ is the chief shepherd, pastors and elders are often called under-shepherds because they serve under Christ. But Jesus Christ alone is the chief shepherd and Lord of his church. The name chief shepherd is only found once in the Bible, in Peter's first letter towards the end of the New Testament and in the fifth chapter. Peter had been writing to the elders of the church, urging them to exercise their ministry in a God-honouring way. He tells them in verses 2 and 3 of 1 Peter chapter 5, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Peter's words emphasise the huge responsibility that pastors or elders carry. They have been called by the Lord to truly care for his church, his flock, with an eager willingness and tender thoroughness, living their own lives so that they can be an example to the flock. They are not to engage in this work for personal gain, neither are they to be domineering as they lead the Lord's people. A high standard indeed, and so different from many leaders elsewhere in our world and it's to encourage these servants of the Lord to serve him and his people faithfully that Peter tells us about the chief shepherd. We read in 1 Peter 5, verse 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. It's an amazing promise that's given to elders or pastors who are faithful to their high calling. A precious reward for their service awaits them. 
When the Lord Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd, returns, they will receive a glorious and unfading crown of glory. Peter had referred to some who entered the Lord's work for shameful gain and not in order to honour Christ nor do his church good. By contrast to that material gain the unscrupulous strain after, the crown that the chief shepherd will give his faithful servants is undoubtedly infinitely more valuable. To help us, Peter carefully reminds the elders that Christ Jesus is the chief shepherd. He is over the entire flock. He, remember, bought them with his precious blood. He is the one who rescues them and defends them forever. As the chief shepherd, he's over all other shepherds that he has appointed to care for his flock. He it is who directs them in his word how they are to engage in caring for his dear people. The authority they have to rule and direct the church comes entirely from him, which is why they are not to lord it over God's flock. Elders and pastors don't own the church, Christ does. And of most importance it is to the chief shepherd that we must give account. Something directly referred to in Hebrews 13 verse 17. This title reminds us that the Lord Jesus Christ watches his servants, those appointed as leaders in his church, and sees everything that they do, and even more than that. He actually sees right into their hearts and minds, and takes note of the motives and attitudes they have as they care for his flock. Nothing they do or think or say escapes his notice. Elders need to remember that though the Lord's body is now in heaven, he is still with us spiritually, and so he examines all that we do and all that we fail to do. When the chief shepherd returns, he will call all elders to render him account whether they have faithfully discharged their duty both publicly and privately, according to the directions Peter mentions. This title, the chief shepherd, is revealed to us not to crush us, but to stimulate every elder or pastor to serve the Lord with all our hearts. Perhaps we don't often think of the day of the Lord's return as a coronation day for his servants, but that is what it really will be. On that day, the faithful servant of the Lord, the chief shepherd, will hear from his lips, well done, good and faithful servant, come and share your master's happiness. We now come to this series on Paul's Ephesian epistle, here on Serving Today. We're looking at the well-known passage on how believers can stand against the devil's attacks. Ray Tibbs joins us once more, and here he is to tell us which particular verses of Ephesians chapter 6 we're going to be thinking about this time. We're just going to look at verses 14 and 15 as the first part of our consideration of the full armour of God. There are six pieces in this spiritual armour divided into two groups. The first three are to be put on as they are all attached to the body, suggesting permanent integration in the life of the believer. The remaining three are taken up additionally when engaged in battle. Well, let's just read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So take us through that first piece of armour that we're to put on. It is the belt of truth. This must be put on first, as it is foundational 
and other things depend upon it. Truth is the whole compass of God's person, purpose and providence. Truth surrounds the believer, giving him support and confidence. John 8.32 Our righteousness, the breastplate, rests on the truth of God. The written word of God, the spirit's sword, hangs on the truth of God. The former is but a record of part of the latter, that is, the Bible is but a part of the whole truth of God, the part that he wants us to know and use in this world. Some believers do not have the written word of God, but all have the truth. It holds them together. So that's the belt of truth. What comes after this? Next is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate protects the heart and lungs and therefore serve the purpose of a life preserver. The back did not have the same level of protection in order to prevent soldiers from running away. Our righteousness has two parts. Firstly, the righteousness of Christ has been made over to us in its entirety and renders us acceptable to God. What was never ours has been made over to us as if it were ours. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 The imputed righteousness of Christ preserves us from the wrath of God. Ray, you said there were two parts to our righteousness. What's the other one? Well, the other form of righteousness depends upon the first and could not exist without it. The imparted righteousness of Christ is the work of the Holy Spirit in which he makes those who are already accepted by God more like Christ. It is a continuous work, but never completed. And although real, it is different to the imputed righteousness of Christ. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. It is weak and variable and cannot withstand satanic attacks. And what's the third item of the armour that Christians are to put on? Thirdly, Christians are to put on the shoes of peace. The shoes worn by Roman soldiers would have been sandals but with studs on the soles and heels. That reinforced base provided firmness and protection to cope with the many different types of ground. The lightweight upper section meant that the footwear was not as heavy and therefore could be worn comfortably for long marches. These shoes made stability possible and mobility possible for soldiers enabling them to be both sure-footed and fleet-footed. The gospel of peace is the assurance that we have been reconciled to God. We have the settled conviction and firm confidence that we are at peace with him.
we face many difficulties, but this assurance allows us to move from one to the other without stumbling. We know we belong to him. We are saved and kept by God, and he will come to our aid. The gospel of salvation makes us ready for anything. And as we close, Ray, how do these combined parts of the armour of God help believers? Yes, these three pieces are for our protection. We are called upon to stand and be defensive rather than to advance and attack. Satan tries to dislodge us from the ground Christ has won for us. We are positioned and equipped to stand firm in him. Romans 13, 11 to 14. Thanks to Ray Tibbs and also to Derek French. And that's the end of our time together here on Serving Today. If you'd like to ask about anything you've heard, do contact us. The details follow in just a moment. So this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye and may we remain faithful to Christ, the Chief Shepherd. Well, thanks for listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch with us, you can send us a message via WhatsApp. The number is plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. That's plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. Or email us. The address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk Until next time, goodbye.